Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, the Rhode Island Blood Center, Providence Ballet Theater, Trinity Brewhouse, CIC Providence, and R1 Indoor Karting. I'm your host, John Fusick. Today we have singer, songwriter, and guitarist Robin Lane. Robin is best known for her hits, When Things Go Wrong, Don't Cry, It Will Only Hurt a Little While, and many more. We talk about her beginnings in Laurel Canyon, singing backup for Neil Young, the Chart Busters, and her latest CD, Dirt Road to Heaven. The days are colder and you so all alone If you get so lonely Won't you call me on the phone I'll be there Where you can drown your cares I'll be there to love you Get your sad tomorrows Our love will buy us time We'll take your tears and sorrow And we'll turn them into wine I'll be there with a hope and a prayer Sorrows there for you tomorrow. I'll be there for you 
Hi, John. How are you, Robin? I'm good, John. How are you? I'm okay. You're getting back in the swing of things. You've got a new record out. You've been uh, out and playing much more than you have been. And it seems like you've got a new lease on your music life. Seems that way. A, you never know. It's a good thing. So let's before we talk about the new stuff, let's talk about your humble beginnings in Laurel Canyon. I guess that was my part of my beginnings. Well, do you want to go Sorry. back? Didn't your father write some music for Dean Martin? Oh, he, yeah, he was a, a songwriter and a piano player and stuff for various people that were in the music business. Did he write a song for Dean Martin? He didn't write it for Dean Martin, but Dean Martin made a big hit out of it. Which one was that? And I'm about to sing it, John. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of sing it. You should hear my stepmother sing it. Oh, my God. But she was in The Little Rascals. So oh, really? Yeah. Wow. But she's gone now, and so is my dad. But anyway, this song. Everybody loves somebody sometimes. Oh, wow. Your father wrote that one, huh? He falls in love somehow. Yeah, he wrote that one and some other ones. Oh, that's very cool. That was a pretty big one for Dean, you know, because it was even the theme song of his show. Yeah, well, that... That's kind of his trademark song, too, so... One of them, yeah. Wow. You wound up in Laurel Canyon when you were how old? Oh, I started going over the big hill, you know, three miles into Hollywood when I was still in high school. So, first um, met Danny Witten, who later was in Crazy Horse. But when I met him, he was a dancer on this show called Shindig. And then later, he invited me over to a house that he lived in, in Laurel Canyon, on Laurel Canyon Boulevard, with his cohort in crime actually they sold pot and everybody came there they were called the rock and then later they became crazy hers that's so that's where I, I stayed a lot met a lot of people there that were buying pot no hard drugs just pot now you wound up living in laurel canyon with him and neil young at one time well i just you know it was kind of one of those things wherever you lay your hat is your home i did live with neil for a couple months maybe three months and that's how you wound up singing with his uh, on his album well i wound up singing on it because yeah we did that song together he taught me that song taught me other songs too i used to do um <laughs> i did uh this was before i was writing my own songs mm -hmm. god what how weird that i'm going back in time thinking about how i would take my guitar and go to record companies and then the a r person would like invite you into their room of course i was cute and young and then I, I would play songs that weren't even mine, like Mr. Soul. Really? That one by the yeah, we were playing that one last that. night, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I played that song and the old laughing lady played that one too and then a bob dylan song and I'm like you know i was looking for a record deal on nothing really anyway that's what i used to do play those songs um played that song with neil round and round he taught that to me and then when he did the everybody knows this is nowhere album then i sang on that song with mm. neil and danny and you went to i remember you went to the bn too yes i went to the first well later they were called lovin's that that one was called a human being. It was called, came before, but it was called a human being in Golden Gate Park. Timothy Leary, Baba Ram Dass, Gary Snyder, the poet, Grateful Dead, everybody will be there. And so, yeah, that's one of those stories I always tell about hitchhiking up to San Francisco from L.A. with my friend Baby John and Danny Witten. Then we got to Baby John's friend Susie Cream Cheese, her house, 
spent the night, and then we woke up, and she sprinkled window pane acid on our cornflakes. And then we walked to Golden Gate Park, which was not too far away. It was very golden. (laughs) 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 Window pane stuff. And then we crested over a, a little hill, and there was Polo Field and Timothy Leary and a thousand million people. The whole human race was there, as far as I was concerned. I never saw so many people. Kind of scary. But Timothy Leary or Gary Snyder, one of them was, this is it. It is perfect. This is it. It is perfect. This is it. It. Can you imagine? Mm. And then, and then nothing was perfect. It was um, quite extraordinary. And then, yeah, that was the first human being, first loving. A lot of this stuff is in that uh, film that uh, Tim Jackson made, right? You watched that? Yeah, I saw it when you had it at the Pawtucket Arts Festival, probably about seven or eight years oh. ago. But I haven't. I, I'm not sure. Where can you watch that film now? Is it available, or is it still only in? Uh... Well, I've got some that. Well, I've got some. Tim asked me to sell when I play places, but nobody seems to want to buy them. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think you can also. There's a way to watch them. Okay. Watch them online. What is the actual name of it? Is it The Ballad of Robin Lane? No, that's something else. On, the, on Chronicle. That was on Chronicle. Oh, okay. Ballad of Robin Lane. That's nice. That's a nice title. Mm. I'll be singing The Ballad of Robin Lane Under the Bridge. But I better not say that because you know how you say things and then they come true. I'm going to say that one. But um, <laughs> it's called When Things Go Wrong, oh, okay. Robin Lane. All right. Robin Lane Strike. When Things that's- Go Wrong. So if anybody wants to know more in depth about this history, they can learn it from this film, which was actually pretty good. It was part of the uh, the film part of Pawtucket Arts Festival a few years back. Um, Tim Jackson, who is your drummer and the chart busters, is the one who made this. Yep, he did. So moving along, you uh, you moved to Boston and you got involved in the new wave scene in Boston, and that's when you put together the Chartbusters. Yeah, new wave was not my thing. Although I think new wave and punk was they were both happening simultaneously. Maybe I don't know. It's a new wave of music for sure. And but I was very attracted to what the, the bands I I was listening to around playing at the Rat, and then they'd come in from out of town play at the paradise and so I kind of changed my my musical direction I'd been primarily singer-songwriter and then suddenly I was cut all my hair off and dyed it red I had a band and we were playing at the rat and other places who was a, that was with Jonathan Richmond's band okay so my two guitar players were with Jonathan Richmond after his original modern lovers so they were still the modern lovers Asa Brebner and Leroy Radcliffe and both of them, unfortunately, have passed away since. Yeah, yes. Dropping like flies. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's, it's an awakening, sort of. As yeah. you're about to go to sleep forever, it's an awakening, yeah. a rude awakening. So you, you, you put out uh, three albums around that time? So uh, we were signed to Warner Brothers, and we put out two albums and one EP in the- between that was the live album right the live album yeah and then you got dropped from warner because you were going to have a baby is that correct well i think we were dropped probably dropped from warner's because we didn't sell enough the second album didn't sell too much but 
the publishing company dropped. Yeah, I was kind of like dropped from everything. I had a baby. So they, in those days, well, it was 1981 or so, 82, 81, 82, like you couldn't have a baby and rock out. That's what they thought, these yeah. guys that and, ran the music. And now you see somebody like, what's her name, who at the Super Bowl, who's dancing on stage pregnant. Yeah, I didn't watch that, but she's pregnant, right? And she's, yeah. Is she jumping around? I, I don't watch either. She's not my cup of tea, but I, you know, I heard that, so. Oh, my, how things have changed. So oh, yeah. A, you could have been rocking out with uh, Evangeline. <laughs> I could have been. And I, and the, the thing of it is, I was. I mean, not right while I was pregnant, but right after I had her, I was um, back playing. Well, did I go back with my band right away? No, I think I went with the shape. Yeah, I think that's, that's when you hooked up with them. And that was a Rhode Island-based band. Exactly. Bill Flanagan had that idea for me to play with the shake because uh, I'd, I'd sort of broken up my band. But had we had a different, had I had a different manager and the timing had been different, like if it was now or something, then I, I never, never would have stopped being probably in the public eye doing something because I never stopped writing and I never stopped performing. After the shake, and I got back together with Robin Lane and the Chartbusters and we played all over the place. And then we made that another EP called Heart Connection. That came out. I've always been performing. It just wasn't, you know, big. It wasn't marketed by some some big company or, or publicist or anything. I didn't have the money for that. But I never stopped playing. And it's a shame because your your stuff has never lacked in quality. I mean, the stuff you put out still holds up today, unlike a lot of music that came out of that era. it's It doesn't sound dated. It's still just straight ahead good music. And you still play some of it when you play solo or play with your new band. You still play it. And it still sounds great. It doesn't sound like a song that's from 40 years ago. No. Well, thank you for that. Thanks. I mean, I... I... I think I wrote songs with my band back in the early 80s that were of that era, but they always had like lyrics that meant something, I think, unless you just didn't like my lyrics and thought I was a hack. <laughs> and there was none of those too, but never. You know, I was always talking about things that were important to people, it seemed, with some people. And then I don't think I out went absolutely on a trend. Maybe some, some songs did, but. Yeah, there's, in fact, uh, somebody had the idea to put out, did you get the compilation album many years ago that came out? Of uh, the Chartbusters? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got that one. Oh, that's nice of you. The second CD on there has a bunch of songs that were never released out anywhere else except on that compilation. I don't think the compilation, you know, did all that great so that I couldn't put them out again. So I'm thinking it might be a really good idea until I put out my my next album to put that out put all put like 11 songs out from the chartbuster era mm-hmm. like the lost the lost songs of the band you know because there's a lot of good ones on there that you i don't know if you've listened to that particular cd the second cd it's got a ton of songs yeah no yeah. i mean i mean i've known you since well since the probably 1980 i've known you and we go way back then because that's when i used to go see you quite a bit and when i started having you play some solo dates around here i hadn't really i kind of lost touch with you for a while but then we reconnected when i had started doing those solo shows with you you my original impression was okay we're going to hear the hits and i'm going to be happy and i'll see how i like the new stuff and then i was really pleasantly surprised to find out that the new 
stuff was just as good, if not better, than the old stuff, is that the stuff that you were churning out was amazing, that your voice hadn't faulted, your performance hadn't faulted, and you were just as good, if not better, than you were in previous years. And it was really happy to see that. It was really amazing how the quality in your voice. A lot of people, after 40 years, their voice is gone and they can't sing, but you were your voice sounded probably even more soulful and rich than it had ever been and your material was great and you'd been writing all along and you were working with that organization the songbird sings that you'd put together right yeah i never stopped because once you stop to me you're kind of well you're over to right. me i, I couldn't leave that way so uh you know and also with the chart busters i didn't sing my best I can actually sing, I think. Oh, you have a great voice. I mean, you actually, if you hear the stuff you do by yourself without a band drowning you out, you're, you have an, a, an amazingly rich and soulful voice. Well, I, hopefully you can hear more of that on the new, newer stuff I'm doing. But yeah, yeah, you got it. So anyway, thank you for the compliments. That's Are you still nice. doing the Songbird Sings? As much as I can, but you know, when COVID happened, I have to get back into it. I don't know how to do that right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I need funding. You know, I need, well, I don't charge people for doing those. What I do is I work with people veterans and survivors of violence and abuse and trafficked young women and I meet with them and I stay with them for weeks and get them to tell part of their story and write lyrics and then I help them put that those lyrics into songs and then I record them and then they feel much better and that's basic but that's exactly what happens you know like nobody thinks they can write a song and they've been through hell that so songbird sings we just go in help people shine a light and break the silence of their own trauma and put it into a song now you've recorded some of those songs correct yeah i have yeah i mean i've recorded all of them all of the all of the programs i've done but i only made one cd out of some of the women's songs called the woman's voice so there's only one cd that i ever put out for sale or you know release but there's a ton of songs on cds of all these people that have ever been in any of songbird sings workshop ton of songs and so this this moves us right up to where we are now we you've put out this this new release called uh, the dirt road to heaven that's me walking uh, on a dirt road hoping to get to heaven or whatever you know hoping to hoping to have the life uh, full of joy right now and then become part of everything now this one is is more it's kind of an americana style album it's a, it's got a little folk country uh folk rock tinge to it sure yeah it started out i wanted to do a country album and then it just kind of morphed into what it is now and i some people call it americana i certainly wasn't even thinking of that you know like whatever it's just everybody has to have a label on so what are these songs a product of <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> a product of? Well, where, product where did these songs come out of? What was the inspiration behind putting this album together and, and putting an album out? Well, I met John Fister, who I've known for years, but then ran into him in Marblehead, and he has a studio. So we just, Tim filmed part of the movie in the studio. And then, so John said, well, why don't you come here and record some songs? So I did. And then I just started recording songs there. We started playing them. We play out. And then over a few years, we were just 
recording all these songs. And they just, I'd had some of them and then some of them popped out. And that's, what was your question? What was the inspiration? Why, where did all these songs come from? They just came from, you know, process of writing them like, like all my other songs did. But it just so happened that they were those songs that are on that album now, Dirt Road to Heaven. Now you've played with John. He's he's been your sideband when you've played in a duo. Yeah. And he's part now you've just put together a, a, a new band, right? Yeah. I did. I got um Jimmy never Oh my god. And he's so nice, he never gets mad that I never say his last name right. Jim Trace and Peter Hoffman is the most fabulous guitar player and singer. I just saw him he plays with Tim in that band, band that Time Forgot. Mm-hmm. I saw them the other night, and it was like seeing one of the best bands I've ever seen. They were playing the songs from my youth, you know, like the, the best Moby Grape. I don't, I don't even know, just incredible. And his singing was superb, and his guitar playing was out of this world. And he's in my band. I get, I have to give him more leeway, latitude, longitude, too. Are you there? Yes. Oh, okay. Don't fall asleep on me. I would never fall asleep on you, Robin. Um, so, are you, you're out, you're out actually doing gigs with bands, with a band now. Yeah. A band. I got a band. Yep, we're playing at, um, where are we playing? Oh, well, a few places. We just played at Pat Scene. That was really good. Oh, yeah, that's a cool place. We used to play there in the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> yeah, right. There's, a, well, there's that. And then um, Burn Back Room, we played there in June. We're going to play there again in early May. Um, that place, the Bull Run. So you're out there doing gigs again, which is good. You're out there playing. You've got this new... Uh, the new CD, Dirt Road to Heaven. I, a couple of the songs that I really liked, I think my favorite song off that CD was The Sunshine Blue Skies. Oh, Asia wrote that. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Now, yeah. that that kind of have a jangly sound to it. You can hear the 12-string start off on that one. Yeah, Asia wrote that song, and then Guy Larry Newman put together um, a, a bunch of different people doing Asia's songs on an album. So, so your favorite song on my album is <laughs> song <laughs> <for> <laughs> well i didn't know it was an asa song i just listened to it and i was like wow i like that song i mean i do like there's a couple of other songs i like dirt road to heaven and the woman like that
was it that inspired that song because it seems like you had a bit of a stalker with that one certainly did you see the video yes that's why that's i mean this the video is what drove that home that it seemed like it was a stalker yeah something like that yeah is that a true that, that's a true story yes it is that's unfortunate well it wasn't a bad thing i just had to write a song about it you know i left out a few verses too and i, I think one of the verses was about having to write a song about it. You know, like, <laughs> you have to, because otherwise you're going to go crazy from 
certain people. Well, as as you show when your songbird sings, I mean, writing songs is a cathartic process. It certainly is. Certainly is, John. Sorry, I don't want to eat pretzels right in your listener's face. Where does this podcast go to? Uh, Motif Magazine. It's part of the, the paper that I write for. Oh, but it's a podcast, so is it... Sh- Oh, it's not. Yeah, is it on the radio or something? No, it's a podcast. Is something you can choose to listen to at any time. You can just click on the link and listen to it. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, John, I have a feeling you haven't listened to that CD very much. I listened to it once through because I just got it. So, because the more you listen to it, the more you might like it. Oh, I do like it. I just <laughs> but I, my song. Not even like my songs on it. I like your songs on it. I just only got through it once because I've I haven't had a lot of time. <laughs> Okay. You know I love you, Robin. Yeah, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> What's the difference, you know? <laughs> oh, boy. Do you have any plans to come down to Rhode Island and get him play? Um, if I'm invited. Well, we'll have to see about trying to get you down here to play, because it would be good okay, to... to get the whole band down. Yeah, it would be good <laughs> to see you play. And you still play some of the, the other songs, When Things Go Wrong and Don't Cry and... I don't say don't cry. I can't. I can't sing that one. That's like so high. I have to change the key. Maybe. Um, yeah. No, we do some of the old songs. Yes, of course we do. Wait, you saw the band at that little fair, the festival, whatever it was. I think I saw two minutes of that so of that set because I was oh, running around. Busy. I was busy. My God, they had really good food there, though. Oh yeah. I can't remember. Had but something that was so delicious. Oh, it must have been one of those those pokey bowls. I think they had. No, what I got was a taco. Oh yeah, that guy that guy sells out every year. Oh my god, he was that was delicious. I wish mm. I had one right. Oh, well, maybe we should talk about having you come down and play the festival again. We'll have to see. What about a big festival? What big festival? <laughs> I don't know. Big festivals are going by the wayside. Kind of like cars. Kind of like cars. Yeah, everything's getting messed up. The whole, everything we're used to is going away and a whole new world is coming in and we're going to be lost. I know, I'm already lost. Yeah, well, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm right behind you. I'm, you know, I'm not, we're, we're probably about 10 years apart or so, but, you know, it's... Uh, There's too many things that you have to think about and know about, and I can't do that. No. Can't. It's like I don't have the brain width or the bandwidth in my brain to let anything new in, you know, like more stuff to learn. I mean, I, mean, I could if I really needed to, but wow, it's hard enough just, you know, like, well... It's not hard enough, but I want to just write songs, of course. Our hard drives are full, and they're, f- and what, and they're full and, and fragmented is what it is. We need to have our hard drives defragged and delete some files, make some room. Delete files, yeah. Unfortunately with us, that's not as easy as doing it in a computer. We've got, you know, fragmented brains and... We don't accept upgrades like iPhones very easily, and we know. And even if we did, we know how upgrades work on older products. They kind of mess things up. They mess things up just when you were getting somewhere. And you know, I just the thing of it is that I've found, like, like while getting older or in the process of getting older, that didn't that everything would get easier or that it would be easier, but it's all harder. Nope, it is harder. Everything, Medicare, just even doing that. Yeah. You know, just anything. So I don't know. We all get to jump through hoops. That when we when we can't jump through hoops, it's time for us to jump through hoops. <laughs> right. 
had aces stayed alive, it would have been, yeah, it would have been cancer. <laughs> then we have to. Um, it, if the ace had stayed alive, he had this whole big farm up there in New Hampshire. And one of our ideas was for a bunch of us to, to build little, you know, small houses or yurts or something, live there. That would have been so grand because... I wouldn't mind being off the grid and mm. just having to think about all this crap. Yeah, I know some other people have floated that idea of kind of like a, a musician community where everybody gets a big piece of land and builds little tiny houses and everybody lives together in kind of a, a communal thing and off the grid. And Where do they want to do that? The ones that you know? Down there? I've heard people talk about it before, but I mean, nothing in, in any kind of planning stage. But, you know, people say, wouldn't it be great if we could do that? It would have worked at Aces because he, he had 80 acres up there. Yeah. You know, it would have worked. And there was a river, too. And, you know, and then he had all these thin, thin, you know buildings on the property, a big home and barn, another home. So it could have worked. Well, the best laid plans, right? Right. Well, maybe some other day, some other way, somewhere down the line it'll happen. Somewhere down the line it'll happen for somebody. Yeah, hopefully. So anything else you want to throw in about what's going on with your new album and any plans for the future? No, just buy my new album, Dirt Road to Heaven. You can do it on my website. And what is the, the website? TheRobinLane.com. The Robin Lane, the one and only. The Robin Lane. Or you can um, become a patron on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Robin Lane. And, you know, there's, you don't have to pay much. You can even join for $3 a month or $5 a month or 10 or whatever you want. And then that you're help, helping me do what I do, which is a good so thing, <laughs> which is a good yeah. thing. Nice thing. All right, Robin. Well, I'll uh, we'll put a few of the tunes on here. We'll uh, talk about stuff, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. All right. And uh, thank you for being part of the podcast, and uh, I will talk to you. Okay. All right, Robin. Have a good one. Thanks for talking. You too. Yeah, of course. Bye. Bye, John. Yeah.
Okie dokie. Thanks to Robin Lane for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. For more about Robin, take the dirt road to heaven and go to therobinlane.com. To learn more about the Robin Lane documentary, When Things Go Wrong, don't wait until tomorrow and get to whenthingsgowrongmovie.com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, the Rhode Island Blood Center, Providence Ballet Theater, Trinity Brewhouse, CIC Providence, R1 Indoor Karting. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 